elbows down. Set your feet on solid ground. Hello and welcome to Farming with Jesus. My name is Jonah Wilson, and I'm here with you on the podcast where we explore how the seeds of faith grow in our lives. Now this week, we are doing something a little bit different as we continue our series in exploring some of the cultural environment in which we find ourselves, in which these seeds of faith grow, we have been lately exploring different isms, words like individualism and consumerism. And as we look at this next ism this week and explore what the environment around us does and how that affects our seeds of faith, this week we're looking at the topic of relativism. What is relativism? Well, I think it may be helpful to first talk about what relativism is not. We're not talking about speaking relatively. Uh, We're not speaking about relatives, people who are biologically related to each other, and we're not talking about relative uh, speech in the sense of speaking about one thing relative to something else. So, for example, we may say that this year, as we are ending the fiscal year, we are going to look at the budget and the amount of the budget we have used this year for our church. We look ahead to the coming year, and we think about the ways that this year's budget compares to the next year's budget. So this year relative to the next year. That's comparison, and that's a good thing, a wise type of critical thinking that we should be engaging. So that's not what we're talking about. But instead, what we're talking about with relativism is the idea that knowledge, truth, and or morality exist in in relation to the world in which we live, and they're not absolute. I'll say that again. The idea that knowledge, truth, or morality exists in relation to the world in which we live and are not absolute. See, the key there is that last bit. They are not absolute. Relativism says that some people may believe something, uh, others may believe something different, but that's okay. Uh, This is represented in common cultural sayings such as, speak your truth. You might hear that on social media or on television, as if truth is something that's up to the individual person, something that they have the right to determine. Another common phrase is, you do you. You do you, in the sense of, you can do whatever you want, and that's okay. Often, it might be said, you can do whatever you want, as long as it doesn't impact me. So that's the general idea of what we're talking about today, and we have a treat for you in this episode. We have a conversation between Paul, one of our regular co-hosts, and a man named Tim Totten, who you will inter- you will meet and will be introduced here shortly in the clip that you hear. They talk about relativism, Tim's work in exploring this topic of relativism with the students which he works, as well as ways that we can interact with people who may hold more of a relativistic mindset. It's something that I don't think you'll want to miss. Enjoy. So uh, today we have a special guest, Tim Totten, who 
was on staff here for how many years were you here? About four years. About yeah. four years. Yeah. And the four best years <laughs> that you had. Four best years I had yes. or four best years you Your had? Your four best years as a pastor. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we could talk about that. They were good years. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. What was your responsibility? Assimilation. <laughs> no, I was the youth guy, and I did assimilation. Do you like assimilation? I don't like that word at all. Why? I wonder how many of your listeners know what it means. What do you think it means? It's a vague thing. I think it means connecting the people that are in the church and plugging them in and helping them to assimilate, to become a part of the body. It's a good word. All right. Yeah. The end, right? Yes. (laughs) But um, we're going to talk today a little bit about something different than assimilation. Good. Uh, We're going to talk about relativism. Do you know what that word is? Yeah, I do. I'm familiar with it. Well, tell us what it means. Well, I think it means that, you know, we are related to people sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, that could be part of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but relativism, like cultural relativism, right? Yes. So, like, it kind of depends, like, what might be true for you is true for you. What might be true for me is true for me. It all is relative. It depends on what we think, what we believe, things like that. Is that where we're going? Yes. Okay. And... Uh, you got mad and left us. And, no, you left <laughs> us. Yeah, Austria, Vienna, Austria, about uh, three years ago. Kangaroos, 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 and <coughs> koalas, right? Uh, Vienna, Austria, and currently you're doing what in Vienna, Austria? Yeah, I work at the International Christian School of Vienna. And I teach in the Bible department, and I am the spiritual formation coordinator otherwise known as the chaplain of the school. So I work with middle school and high school kids. Uh, and this is a Christian school. All the kids who come are Christians from mm. Christian homes. Yeah, so it's a Christian school, but uh, not all the Christian the students are Christians. Uh, really only about half of our students identify as Christian. Uh, of that half, I would guess half are actually like believing, growing Christians. So... Uh, that been the case, you're working with uh, high school students, uh, a lot of whom are not Christians. Mm-hmm. This has to be a relevant topic for you. Yeah, yeah, it comes up a lot, actually. We talk about uh, different issues and what's true and what's not true. So what's, what's the general way that that issue is raised? Is it, uh, well, what may be true for you is not true for me, or you can't impose those beliefs on me? How's it, how's it arise in the conversation. Yeah, I think it's any number of ways. Um, what you just mentioned, I would say where I see it the most probably deals with like moral relativism. And, you How, know, what's that mean? So that basically would be uh, in terms of if we were talking about issues such as marriage or homosexuality or even things like alcohol or just different moral issues that we might face in our lives. Uh, A lot of students, and I don't think this is isolated to Austria, but a lot of students would say, well, you can believe that that's wrong to do or that's wrong to say, but that's what you believe. And I don't have a problem with it. So it's okay for me to do. Um, So it's slightly different, but it's when it comes to moral issues, it just all depends on the situation and the people, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. So if you peel that back, if you took the veneer of that question back Mm -hmm. what would be behind that what belief system would be behind the question yeah i think 
a lot of students, a lot of people um, struggle with coming to terms about like what exactly they believe. And I think they do, like you mentioned a minute ago, have a hard time with me telling them what I think they should believe or what I think is true. So there's at the root of it, I think it's this this idea or this concept that truth in general is relative and that not only that truth is relative, but that it's not anybody's job to tell somebody else what is or isn't true or what is or isn't right. Uh, and then ultimately, I would say it comes down to a, I, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to justify it. Um, and I'm going to justify it by saying that you can't tell me what is or isn't true. Like what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. And we just kind of use it as a way to justify our actions or our beliefs or to try and make sense of things that don't make sense sometimes. Okay. Uh, do you think that kind of uh, worldview, can I use that word? Yeah, I think it's a worldview. Or it's at least part of a worldview. What's view. a worldview? Uh, it's the way that we see the world. That's the easiest way to... Okay. Um, and answer the big questions of life. Yeah. Why am I here? How do, what am yeah. I doing? What's my purpose? Um, so is that worldview prevalent in the culture of Vienna as a whole? Yeah. I, if we took the roving microphone on the streets mm -hmm. of Vienna and asked that question, does truth exist or is it right to have a truth that superimposes itself? How would most people respond to that? Yeah, I think growing, especially in younger populations, um, millennials, younger adults, I think that's very prevalent. Uh, and I would guess it's probably not isolated to Vienna, but it no, is no, no. Yeah. It is there in Vienna it, that more and more, you know, because Vienna is such a melting pot, like there's so many people from so many different places. Uh, people just have kind of learned to live their lives, their faiths, uh, and not try and get other people to believe it necessarily. Um, so they're just content saying, this is what I believe, you believe what you believe, and we'll just be content to disagree, uh, or to say, look, like, I'm right, you're right, we can all be right. Uh, and I notice that a lot with students, is students will say, this is what I think is true, this is what I believe, but you can be right too, right? Even if it totally disagrees with the position I'm taking? Right. It's almost a plural, pluralistic kind of mindset. I have one class that I've talked with kids and you, I've used the example of the mountain, right? Like God's at the top of the mountain, all these different ways to get to God. Is it actually possible for many roads to lead to God? It almost gets into pluralism. Uh, but they would say, yeah, like a Hindu can believe what they believe is true and they can still get to God. And then a Christian can believe what they believe is true and still get to God. And a Muslim can do the same thing and so right. on. Um, so that's very pluralistic. But I think within that there is, there are aspects of relativism tied into it of saying Christianity is true for me but Islam might be true for you. And as long as I believe it's true and you believe it's true, it doesn't matter. So the, the, um, the location of ultimate truth is on the inside of us. Then, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think absolutely. It's all about what I believe. And if I believe it with my whole heart and if I believe it genuinely, then it's true. It's okay. Right. So how do you answer that high school kid that says... Uh, what you believe is true for you, what I believe is true for me, even if that truth is diametrically opposed. Yeah, I what mean, do you I, say to them? I think that's challenge, challenging to do. And I think at some point you can only go so far. Otherwise, the argument would just continue and continue. Like sometimes it's hard to reason with somebody who doesn't recognize that two very different things can not be true to how do you phrase it diametrically opposed yeah. things uh cannot be true right so for example um 
I can't believe there's a God and you believe there's not a God and us both be right. There either is a God or there isn't a God, right? But there are people, there are students Otherwise, that will say... something's fiction. Right, something's fiction. So right. there are students that they'll say they believe that it's possible, right? And it all has to do with my ideas and my beliefs. Um, so at some point, you've just got to recognize, I have to recognize, at least in what I do, I'm not going to convince students that I'm right. Even if it makes no sense for them to say, you think there's a God, so there is. I think there's not, so there's not. That, that makes zero sense, logically. Uh, but at some point, you've just got to kind of leave it and, I mean, pray that the Holy Spirit works in their lives, like ask God to do something and just kind of let them be. Uh, and sometimes just with experience, I think kids grow through that. And like as they get older, they start to realize, well, I thought that, but it really doesn't make sense. Um, Jonah uh, uh, and I have been exposed to a guy named D.A. Carson. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he's written this book on toleration. And the idea is that toleration becomes this superbly valued attribute. And that what toleration means is that we can't disagree. Okay. To a degree, mm -hmm. uh, and that um, where at one time toleration meant, yeah, I strongly disagree with that opinion. My mm -hmm. idea of what you're thinking is, I think you're wrong. Now we're so value toleration as simply the refusal to say that there's a possibility that your view of this is wrong. You're mm -hmm. you're just wrong. This truth does exist, right? And the position you have is untenable. Mm -hmm. It's it's incorrect. It's yeah. difficult for us to say these days. Yeah, I think so. I, I do think, I would say at our school, we've done a really good job, or we've really been intentional about creating an environment where we can disagree about things. So I'll have students that will talk about whether they're Muslims or atheists or whatever, and they'll explain like why they believe something. And we've created a culture in which I can tell them, look, I disagree with that. Like, I think that's wrong. I'm not going to attack you because of it. I'm mm. not going to treat you differently because you think like that. But I firmly believe that what you're saying is not true. And the flip side is true as well. Like, I believe, at least for me, I've developed enough relationships with these students to where they're allowed to disagree with me, too, when it comes to issues of belief, issues of the ultimate question, right? Like, it's not me brainwashing them, but... I do think it's really important to get to a point where we can recognize that we live in a world where people believe differently and we're able to disagree. It's not because everybody's right, but we just have to recognize just because I believe something doesn't mean everybody else is going to believe it. And it doesn't mean they have to. Uh, while I wish they would, and while I think what I believe is true, and I think it does matter, um, at some point, God is the one that's going to have to actually change right. that. Right. So. so where would you, if a kid is saying, or a young person is saying, I, I believe uh, what I believe and is true and what you believe you believe is true, so it's true for you. Where would you suggest to that young adult where the anchor for your belief would be? Would you say it is outside of yourself or would you say it's inside of you? Yeah, so for me, and this is one thing that I talk to students about a lot is because a lot of this stems from students struggle with absolute truth. They struggle with this idea that there is something that is absolutely true. And what ends up happening is they base their beliefs or their truths on their feelings or their experiences and things like that. Um, and what I try and encourage students to do and what I tell them is that my beliefs about truth do come from experience, but before that, they stem from God's word. So like when I'm trying to determine whether or not I think something is 
uh, one, either true or two, like morally acceptable or a good thing for me in my life. Uh, my source is scripture, right? Like okay. I go to God's word for that. But what I've found is that a lot of the students at our school, most of them, in fact, uh, don't do that. They don't have one specific source that they use or one, um, like they, they wouldn't say, I look to God for truth or I look to God for the answers. They would say, well, it just depends on what makes me happy or does it affect other people? Like, is it going to hurt other people if I believe this or if I say this or if I do this? Uh, and it's this constant, like, you're almost like shooting at a target and like just hoping that you'll like find the right combination of things to determine truth. Whereas I believe that truth is found in God's word. And like, if we just go to that and we use that, uh, that can be our guide um, for what is and isn't true, what is and isn't right, what is and isn't okay or acceptable or beneficial or whatnot. I don't, does that answer the question? Yeah. Do you, do you think the uh, whole idea of rel- relativism is sometimes convenient? Yeah, I mean, you mean just it's just easier to think. Or, well, or, you know, is it, is, it, is it better in some circumstances if, it, if relativism is true? There, there is no truth. There is no uh, absolute out there. So I can just kind of believe whatever I want to believe and do whatever I want to do. And does that desire for that impulse? I think it makes us feel more comfortable sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's better. I think it. I think it's honestly damaging to society in the long run. I don't know that we see that now, but I think in the long run, relativism is going to really um, how mess things up. You know, I was I, well, as I was saying that I knew you were going to ask me how. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that I, I think everybody, like innate within us as human beings, there is some sort of truth. I think God has placed a sense of right and wrong, a sense of truth, a sense of something, or a desire for the truth within us. Uh, And as society gets more and more to this relativistic point of view where there is no truth, it's going to be more and more difficult uh, to have conversations with people about God. I think also, um, if we talk about relativism and truth, uh, that does bleed into moral values, and it does bleed into how people treat each other. Um, Because if... I believe, for example, that like human life is really valuable and it really, really matters, right? Uh, whether it's a baby in the womb or whether it's us sitting in this room. Like, I believe that human life matters and you don't. The belief about whether or not human life matters is going to impact the way that you and I treat human beings, right. right? So I think if we get to the place where everybody's just free to say what they want is true, believe what they want, and it all be true, uh, I think in a sense it could create this chaotic world that in some some ways I think we're beginning to see even now well and, and sometimes you have to push um, a little bit so if a person says uh, truth doesn't exist but I do believe human life has value well, or why where does right. that come from yeah that? definitely where do, where do you where do you get the idea that that mm-hmm. life gets value yeah I agree with that completely um, so you and like uh, you like engaging these students yeah, I love having conversations with students. But what I've had to come to grips with, and I mentioned this a few minutes ago, I think, is like I'm not there to convince a kid that they have to believe. Was that, that believe. was that hard to come to that place? Because oh, I'm a fix it guy. I want to fix right. people, fix situations, fix circumstances. Yeah, I think a little bit. But I, the more that I've grown, the more that I've seen that the reality is we're all on a journey. 
you know, we're all trying to figure out what's true. We're all trying to understand God. And it just so happens that a lot of the students that I work with, um, I would say are further behind on that journey. Like they're newer to it. They're just now learning about some of these things. And just recognizing that even in my own life, God has grown me through a number of different ways. And I was not always at the place where I am and I still have room to grow. So recognizing that I have unanswered questions. I have things I can't explain. Uh, and just realizing that these students, if I still have questions, if I'm still trying to figure things out, why wouldn't these students from Muslim homes or atheist homes or wherever also have those questions? Sure. Yeah. So um, who would you say has influenced you in your thinking on this? Is there a particular person that has kind of helped shape that for you? You know, honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that... A particular book you've read? Yeah, I would say maybe, and this might sound really weird, um, there are some people that I work with that are the fix-it people that you said and that want to win all the arguments and that want to convince kids and they'll argue with kids to the death, right? Like trying to right. prove their point. Uh, so in some ways, I think I've learned from them like how I don't want to be because I see that it doesn't work, right? At least not in the context. Like... I mean, ultimately, we know that God is the one who changes lives, right? It's the Holy Spirit's work in somebody's life to bring them to that place. And that doesn't typically happen because of all these grand arguments that are won. So in some ways, I think I've learned from uh, seeing other people do it differently than me in the sense of wanting to make sure they win those arguments uh, and recognizing this isn't working. Like, I need to do something different. Um, I'm trying to think, like, books... I. Yeah, I don't know that I have a book off the top of my head okay. that I can think of. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to win this kid to Christ or your neighbor to Christ or a co-worker, yeah. what would you suggest? Who says to you, what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me. Live and let live. That's what it means. That's life. Yeah, I think with anybody, whether they're relativistic in their mindset or whether they just believe differently— um, but they aren't relativistic. I think relationship does a lot with it. So being able to, um, for me, like being able to walk alongside my students, having these discussions and these conversations, talking about big issues, but also showing them that even though we disagree, even though you might think this is all true, um, depending on whoever it is, like letting them know, look, I still care about you. I still love you. I'm going to show you uh, with my attitude, with my actions that I still care, even though we disagree. Um and I think that works for people with a relativistic mindset and people without. Uh, one quick example of that, there's this student that I had this year who just graduated. His name's Adam. He, he's an Egyptian kid. He's a Muslim kid. Uh, and he was one of my favorite students. He was super friendly, like really uh, engaged in class. He didn't always turn his work in, but like he loved talking about religion. He loved learning about the Bible, uh, despite his Muslim background. Like he really enjoyed it. Uh, and toward the end of the year, he stood up, we were at this like senior banquet and there was an open mic and kids were able to like talk and like share their memories and things like that. And he was giving shout outs to like all the teachers that were there, which was really cool. Like he was, you know, it was cool. And then, so like I was there and he ends up getting to me and he's like, man, like, I don't know how like every kid in this school is not a Christian because like the conversations that we've had and like the way that Mr. Totten has treated like me in my Bible classes, like really makes me want to think about it. And he's not a Christian and like he didn't come to that place. But basically what that showed me is that just by loving on this kid and by talking with him, whether it was about serious issues or whether it was just about he likes basketball or whatever, uh, over a period of time, that relationship might bear fruit. Like there might be right. seeds that are sown through that, um, that 
later on that kid might remember. Um, so whether or not they ever come to that place while we're with them, you know, maybe five, 10 years down the road, they remember, Hey, like that guy had something that I don't have, or like there was something going on there, uh, that I was missing back then. Cause sometimes we don't realize things until we get older and like we recognize these ideas that I had when I was in high school didn't really make sense when I was in high school. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Okay. Well, thanks for stopping by. You and your wife and your four children are here in Ford County visiting. Yeah. Just uh, if people wants to want to hear more of you, they can listen to your sermon. You preached this past Sunday. Yeah, they can. They could listen to both of them, right? Like oh, one and could. two, if they really yeah, liked yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's on our church website. Are both sermons loaded on our website? So both sermons. There are on you our go. Website. They can have. Yeah, we, we do have a podcast. We are terrible at keeping it up, though. What's it so, called? I be, can't... Because of the Hope. Because of the Hope. Yeah, you can check it out. Uh, I think our last one we did a few months ago. But we're going to try... That was the one where Danielle really did a she did. great job. She did. She Not does a really good job. you do a poor job. No, she does a really good job. But she does do a really good job. She does. Because I wrote you and complimented you. Yeah, that. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, so you're living in Vienna. You st- you're, you're here for a little while. You'll be jetting back to Vienna in a few weeks. Yeah, about a month. About a month, yeah. and uh, school will start August. Yeah, it starts. I don't know, late August. Okay, sometime. So, thanks for stopping in to talk about relativism. Thanks, it was fun. Uh, and if people want to buy your book, uh, they can. Yeah, it costs about fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Would you sign it? Would you? Sign yeah, it? I'll sign it for seventy-five. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know somebody who loves signed books, so yeah. uh, we'll have to get her a copy for All sure. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation between Paul and Tim. And as we leave you this week, I'd like to finish up by pointing us to God's Word. Tim mentioned that as he thinks about truth and how he finds these grounding claims of truth in his life, that the place where he goes is Scripture. And though the people who he interacts with may not feel the same way, and though plenty of others don't feel the same way, we on Farming with Jesus and we as Christians in general should do this. One of the places that we see the Bible speak to this idea of truth and relativism comes in the Gospel of John. There's a lot of interesting interactions in the Gospel of John between Jesus and different characters in the text, and one of those examples comes in John 18. Jesus has been arrested. He's been taken before Pilate, who was the local ruler or leader of the area. And Pilate has this conversation with him, asking Jesus, are you king of the Jews? But Jesus doesn't answer Pilate in the way that he expects. He's giving these unexpected answers that are a little bit odd. They're not answering the questions outright. He asks Jesus if he is a king And Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest from the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate, in the NIV, it says Pilate retorted 
what is truth in this dismissive way. Little did Pilate know what Jesus had said shortly before this. We see in John chapter 14, one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, is speaking to him. Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus is the truth. And in a world in which we may have impressed upon us that truth is relative, that there's no objective grounding that exists outside of ourselves, we know that to be false. And that objective grounding isn't some dogmatic uh, statement or uh, doctrine of some kind, although there are different doctrines that we believe as Christians. But first and foremost, bigger than anything else, the grounding in truth comes in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And that can give us confidence, grounding us in who our Savior is. The fact that the truth is found in him. For that, we are grateful, and that is the same hope, the same Savior that Tim holds his trust in. The reason why he's able to have those types of conversations with the students and interact with them in the way that he does is because of the hope that we have in Christ. And may that hope that we have in Christ give us confidence in all that we're doing as well. If you'd like further resources about this topic of relativism, I would encourage you to check out a couple books. One is a book called Uncommon Ground. It's actually a a compilation of various essays regarding the topic of how we can disagree well as Christians without losing the orthodox, objective grounding in the Christian faith. It's edited by Tim Keller and a a man named John Inazu, but again, it's got essays compiled there from various authors. And another text would be uh, called The Intolerance of Tolerance by D.A. Carson, where he explores some of the the modern cultural trends of relativism and tolerance in deeper ways. Uh, Paul mentioned that briefly in the episode. As always, reach out to us with any questions that you may have. And as always, thank you for listening to Farming with Jesus.